It's Thursday, 22nd of April, 2021. And so talking about um, the training of the heart so that it gives rise to wisdom. And this wisdom um, is knowledge. It's all-round knowing. And within Buddhism, what we're talking about is this all-round knowing, this knowledge in line with how things actually are, the truth. And how Sankara conditioned phenomena are, we know exactly that, exactly how they are. Uh, but oftentimes we gain this knowledge from the scriptures. We come to study the books, the texts, and we recite these, we memorize them, and we gain this understanding, and it gives us wisdom to one degree. Uh, so we read about things like how everything is inconstant, unstable, how pain is something normal to experience, how old age, sickness, and death, these are things normal for us. And so we know this. But when this inconstancy actually arises, when old age, sickness, and death really appear, um, then this knowledge that we gain through the scriptures, it doesn't really equip us to be able to solve the suffering that we experience from these things. And so we need to give the practice a go, uh, to really get down to the practice, and so that we gain a different kind of understanding, a new kind of understanding. And when we gain this new kind of understanding, um, then we carry on gaining that, we carry on developing that, until we gain a very clear knowledge into these sankharas, these conditioned phenomena. But in order to reach this point, we need to depend upon patient endurance. Because wisdom, it often doesn't come up constantly or very frequently. And so we need to rely upon the causes and conditions for this, developing these, those of forbearance, effort, mindfulness, and samadhi. These are the things which give rise to wisdom. And then when this knowledge comes up, and we already have this, then we'll be able to let go. And sometimes, however, we don't have this wisdom. And at those periods, we need to bring up this power of patient endurance and use this a lot. And so really do this, because we all know already that we can free ourselves from suffering due to our efforts. But this effort also has to be right effort as well. Effort to abandon the things which should be abandoned. Unskillful qualities that haven't arisen, we don't allow them to arise. And those which have arisen already, then we abandon those. And skillful qualities, these we should give rise to and nurture them, nourish them. But if we sit for a long time, we do long periods of walking meditation, but our mindfulness just isn't there. It's just a lot of thinking that's going along. The mind is very scattered. Then the mind isn't worth right effort because it's just scattered. So we need to try to have our mindfulness here in the present moment, have a knowing here in the present moment. 
And so this knowledge and the path of practice is something that's easy. It's not very uh, confusing or convoluted. And when we study the scriptures, uh, maybe at times we won't really understand what they're pointing to. It's like these factors for samadhi, uh, vitaka, vichara, piti, sukha, ekakada. And it brings the mind into a one-pointed state. It brings the mind into first jhana. We may not really understand what these factors are. So like vitaka and vichara, uh, what we can say is the initial and sustained application of the mind. This isn't thought, this isn't thinking. So like when we come to know the breath, the in-breath and the out-breath, and we have mindfulness there, knowing, then this is vitaka and vichara with the breath. Now taking up this object of the breath and sustaining the mind with it. But it's not thought, it's not scatteredness. And then when piti, this joy arises, there's an inner satisfaction, contentment and happiness that comes up and carry on with these qualities until the mind all gathers together into one, it comes into samadhi. And when we gain these states for ourselves, then we'll know what they're like. But we need to practice. We may read these things in the books and gain an understanding, but it's not a really deep or clear understanding. So in order to gain that, what we do need to do is to practice so that we gain a new kind of understanding. And so we can study um, the three baskets, the tipitaka, and they tell us things uh, like the four foundations of mindfulness, having mindfulness in the body, in feelings, in the mind, and in dhamma. But it's natural that sometimes there'll be knowledge there when we practice, and sometimes the mind will be deluded and it won't be peaceful. And this is just how it is. But when we gain a real understanding, for instance, that this body isn't beautiful, what that comes from is having mindfulness here in the present moment, and it leads to stillness. And in the end, as we develop this, we see the body as just a body. And maybe in the scriptures we read that, that the body is just a body, and we think, well, what's that actually like? This body, it's not a being, not an individual, not me, not other. So if we do call it a being, well, that's just not right. If we were to call it an individual, it's not correct. It's not right to say that it's me or mine. It's not right to say that it's other. So what is it? It's just that. It's just what it is. If we call it any kind of thing, we say it's this, we say it's that, we say it's something other. But really, it's not a thing at all. It's just what it is. It's just this body. But even calling it a body, that's not right, because it's not really a body. It's just this form. It's just what it is. So when the mind is peaceful, then we'll know this for ourselves. We'll gain this clear knowledge within our hearts, this understanding that this thing really is just a body. And when we see people walking about, we'll see that there's no person there. There's no being, there's no individual, no self, no other. It's just arising and ceasing. 
and see these bodies as being just like biological machines that are moving about. And so it's right to speak in this way, Uh, but for us, maybe our practice hasn't reached this point yet. But when it does, then we'll see and understand in this way. And then the understanding that we gain about the teachings we read in the scriptures gets deeper and deeper. The teachings of the Buddha, these go very deep into our heart, and our hearts reach the very uh, essence of the Buddha's teachings, the heartwood. But this depends and relies upon our practice. So just like how we may study about driving a car or operating machinery, we may use these uh, in our occupations, uh, flying a plane or operating a train. So in order to do these, we need to study about them first. We need to learn about them in a classroom, and then maybe we take tests. Then after that, we put this knowledge into practice, and we actually try it out in reality. And this is what really makes us skilled at operating these uh, vehicles or machinery. And it's different from that theoretical knowledge, from just learning in the books. So we learn about these things in the classroom, and then we come to practice them in reality, and these these two things are different. And so it's similar to how we may study in the scriptures and gain one kind of knowledge, but the knowledge that we gain from meditation, from actual practice, is different. So sometimes peace may arise within our hearts, and we ask ourselves, well, what is this? What's going on? In the scripture, it tells us, vitaka vichara piti sukha ekakata. But when the mind comes together into stillness, there's no thoughts there, it's just still. And this is... Samadhi, this is wisdom coming up. So we gain knowledge um, in this way, and this is what allows us to understand and see things with clarity. So may you all try to train in this way, giving rise to wisdom. So all of us probably understand already what the objects of vipassana are. There's anicca, dukkha, and anatta. It's inconstancy or instability, stress or unsatisfactoriness and not self. This is what gives rise to insight. And some practitioners, um, they can separate things out in this way. This is samatha and that's vipassana. And they can argue with each other that I'm doing samatha, you're doing vipassana or vice versa. And they can quarrel like this. But... Watching the breath, what is that? Is that samatha or vipassana? Recollecting death, seeing the body as being something unattractive, what is that? Well, initially, this is samatha practice. This is tranquility or calming practice. But the thing is is that wisdom arises from this calm. And if we don't have calm, then where can wisdom possibly come from? So when we train the minds to reach stillness, to reach peace, this is where the true state of Dhamma arises. And this is where we see anicca, dukkha, anatta. Wisdom arises right here. We're able to put things down right here. We gain this knowledge that these things, they're not me. 
At this point, this is where we destroy the three fetters of uh, Sakaya Ditti, uh, Silabhata, Paramasa, and Vichikicha. So, uh, self-view and uh, skeptical doubts and attachments to rites and rituals, the things which bind over the heart. We destroy them right here. And is it possible to destroy these right from the start of the practice? Well, we do, but it's little by little. Wisdom arises just a small amount and we're able to uh, do damage to these fetters in just a small way. And it progresses like this. So may all of you have effort. May you set your hearts on this. And in no long time, you'll be able to get there. We see that this life of ours gets older and older with each passing day. In old age, sickness and death, these things aren't sure. We don't know when they're really going to come and hit us. And we see this in this present day and age with the COVID pandemic. And we don't know really when we're going to get it. And it's very easy to contract uh, this disease. And so it's spread all around the world. And in some countries, they're getting new cases uh, in a very fast way. Uh, it's maybe even 100,000 people getting it a day. In Thailand, 1,500 a day is already very much. It's, it's a lot. And so when this spreads around, then we need to try and find some protection from it. So we try and come up with a vaccine, and we also try and be careful. Um, but it's something that is quite difficult uh, to protect ourselves from because it comes from contact with other people. And um, we see that we do need to have some kind of contact because these bodies, they're stressful, they're unsatisfactory. They need food, they need medicine. The clothing, uh, we probably have that in our houses already, but they need food on a daily basis. And so we go and have to you have to go out and find that, but that gives us the possibility of contracting this disease. We also need to work in order to gain money to support our lives. But there are also other causes um, on top of this which kind of allow people or give the opening for them to get this virus, and those come from heedlessness. So when people go out and gamble, they go out on the town at night. Um, these are the causes for chaos and confusion to arise. And when we gain the sickness, then there can be a lot of pain that comes with it as well. And huge amounts of people die from this. You see that in some countries they have to burn the corpses right in the streets. Some countries initially they were able to protect themselves very well. But as time has gone past, then heedlessness arose, and now they're in quite a chaotic state. So we need protection, both externally and internally. And this internal protection, that which protects our heart, is mindfulness. It protects these minds from all the sense impressions. So we keep this mindfulness, sati, there, caring for our hearts. Then we come to practice and train in samadhi, making this firm, well established, and then contemplate so the wisdom arises and we gain understanding of reality. You see that when the mind isn't given to liking or disliking, 
when it meets with a sense impression, the mind is able to stay right in the center. <clears throat> this is the path that we should walk. This is the path that takes us to seeing the Dhamma. And when sila, samadhi, and panya, as virtue, collectedness, and wisdom, when they come together, then we'll gain a very distinct and clear understanding into the teachings of the Buddha. That these teachings are akaliko, they're timeless, they give results independent of time. So may all of you set your hearts on practicing together in this way.